0: I want to read just a few verses from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the first century church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, as we continue our attempts at a contemporary look at grace. We've thought about the gift of grace, the gift of joy, the gift of forgiveness, and as you've heard tonight, we're thinking about the gift of freedom. So, 1 Corinthians 4, just the first five verses. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. This is the Word of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you tonight for this wonderful and unique opportunity to gather in this manner as we do, Father, how wonderful it is that You, Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, You are here in our midst. And You're here to bless you're not a difficult task, Master. You're a loving Heavenly Father whose heart's desire it is tonight to come and to meet each of us, each of us, at our point of need. Come and meet each of us where we are at. That's wonderfully reassuring for us, Father, because we're so different, so unique. We are, each of us, at different places in our lives. But you know us, and you know our needs, and you know what we need from you tonight. And so we invite you, Father, in the name of Jesus that by your Holy Spirit you might come in power and release us, set us free. We pray for spiritual emancipation to come in a very unique and real way to this place. It is for freedom, said the Apostle, that Christ has set us free. Might we know that Liberty in Jesus tonight. And if not, then Father, bring us to that point of release, even before we leave this place. And These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I barely need to preach because Maze has done it for me. Bless you. But let me share a few thoughts. My text is found in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4b. I care very little, says the Apostle, if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me. One of the fine arts of gracious living is, I believe, the art of living freely. With your critics. When we have the grace to be free in the presence of those who judge our lives and evaluate our actions, we have Christian freedom. And why not? After all, as we prayed, as Paul declared in Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, we will always have critics, of course. There's no escaping criticism. According to the Apostle Paul, here each of us has at least three critics notice. You... Myself and the Lord. Three critics. You, myself, and the Lord. You, representative, of course, of all the second persons in our lives. Myself is naturally our own selves. Me, myself, and I. The Lord, of course, the Almighty God Himself. These are the three judges that stand at the front door of our lives, each of them adding up our assets and subtracting our deficits and computing in their minds. We cannot live without them, but can we live with them? We can And I put it to you, we must, lest we remain bound. So firstly, Paul speaks about our first critic. You, he says, all the second persons in our lives. Our critics are all around us. Some are welcome, some are self-appointed nuisances. They size us up, take our measurements, weigh us in their scales, and form their own opinions of our lives. And brothers and sisters, if we let them, those opinions can bind us. And we don't know freedom. They may approve of us, of course. Alternatively, they may think that we are walking disasters. They may think that we're too conservative, too liberal, too easygoing, too serious, too wicked, too saintly. They may be right, or on the other hand, they may be wrong. But if we allow them, they combined us. One thing is for certain, brothers and sisters, they will criticize. They will call us to account before the bar of the judgment. Some of these critics, of course, will care for us. Consequently, we will care about the judgment. Some of these critics, of course, may be smarter or more experienced, more spiritual than we are. Consequently, we would be wise to give credence and due consideration to the council. However, if our critics are getting too hard for us to please, or if Sometimes we feel that uh, there are too many critics in our lives to cope with, too many people in our lives to please. We should know this, brothers and sisters. Grace can set us free from our critics. I believe it is self-inflicted brutality to live under the tyranny of other people's judgments. It can be soul-destroying, trying to live our lives only to please others. Paul almost offhandedly declared his own freedom from this judgment. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you or any human cause. He wasn't suggesting that he didn't care at all. Notice he says, I care very little. The New Revised Standard Version puts it, it is a very small thing. In his own unique way, Paul was telling some meddlesome Corinthian Christians to get off his case. And it is my conviction that when appropriate, we should also adopt the Apostle Paul's position. Make it our own. Whom do we live to please? Whose criticisms get us down and make us feel guilty? Who unsettles us and leaves us shaken when they judge us? Even by an ill-timed raised eyebrow from time to time. Whoever it is, we are invited to shake ourselves free. Because Paul declares it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul says, what you or any human court thinks about me only matters a little. When push comes to shove, in the final analysis, he says, it doesn't matter much. Because in the final analysis, it is not you, says Paul, who will judge me ultimately. It is him. And that's liberating. That's liberating. I look across my congregation. And I love you dearly. But bless God tonight. I don't care. What you think about me. Isn't that liberating? Well it might not mean much to you. But I tell you for this pastor. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Or I care little. As Paul says. For what matters. Is what he says. Is that right? It's liberating. It's liberating. So that takes care of the critic out there. Other people. But it leaves us with arguably. The cruelest critic of all. The one inside of ourselves. The second critic. Myself. Me. Myself. And I, we are each of us gifted with the unique power to get outside of ourselves and be our own judge and jury. This is the blessing, and I guess it is the burden of being created just a little lower than the angels. We may, of course, be our best critic. Alternatively, we may be our worst critic. But for as long as we are genuinely human, we cannot stop criticizing ourselves. But, brothers and sisters, there is bondage in this self criticism. When we take our seats in the critic's corner, we take on a job that definitely separates us from all lower species. How many animals do you know that engage in the discipline of self-assessment? None. Oh, I've tried with our little dog. I have tried that it might learn the discipline of self-assessment. Failed. Failed. But being our own critic has certain job-related risks. We can become a self-nag rather than a self-critic. And nags are a pain in the neck even if they are the nags in our own heads. If you tonight feel weary of dragging along a nagging suspicion that you haven't measured up to your own impossible standards, then know this, brothers and sisters, grace can set you free from your own self-judgment. Hallelujah. You might judge your pastor harshly, I don't know, but I'll tell you something, I judge myself more so. More so. For grace has set me free from my self-judgment. Notice St. Paul took the measure of his own self as critic with heroic nonchalance, doesn't he? In 1 Corinthians 4, 3. I do not even judge myself, he says. Paul knew that generally we are our own worst critics. Not because we're particularly very tough, but because we're very tricky critics. We're subject to too many moods, aren't we? Of course we are. I say generally because there are those who daily gaze, it seems, into their rose-tinted mirrors and always think that they are beautiful in their own eyes. Well, these dear folks can be somewhat... Self-deluded, can't they? We You see, we are simply cannot trust our own judgments. We either excuse ourselves too easily or we accuse ourselves too harshly. People as guilty as Beelzebub can come off feeling like happy saints. Conversely, saints who spend their lives helping others in the fear of God can come off feeling like befouled fallen of the earth. Therefore, only boneheads will trust the judgment that they make about themselves. We need grace, the grace of God to set us free. Paul knew this freedom, didn't he? He said, I do not even judge myself. Oh, how did Paul get there? How did he get there? Because at the end of every Lord's Day, I go home at least, and I spend at least a few minutes, hours sometimes, judging myself. There's one more judge waiting in the wings. But are we here, brothers and sisters, about to leap out of the frying pan of human judgment and into the flames of God? Because that other judge is Almighty God Himself. Our third critic is someone we cannot see with the naked eye, but be assured of this, brothers and sisters, his eye searches the innermost recesses of our hearts and minds. And although we try, we can hide nothing from him. Everything about us is exposed in full view of Almighty God. Theologically, this is the omniscience of God. The all-knowing nature of Almighty God. He would be less than God if he wasn't thus. But he is. He knows all things. He knows Doug Atherton intimately. He knows you, my, my dear friend, intimately. I guess... That it is not popular these days to talk about God as judge. The fashionable God, it seems to me, is a God of all grace and no judgment. But being gracious, because God is of course, does not make God less critical. Grace does not blind God to what's really going on in our lives. Nor does grace make God less honest in calling a spade a spade. You cry with the psalmist David, search me, O God, and know my heart. And be assured, my friends, He will search your heart and He will expose it. He won't gloss over it. He'll expose it. And that heart... Well, says Jeremiah, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Someone asked a modern theologian if he still believed in divine judgment. The answer came, I quote, With things the way they are, I don't believe in anything but judgment. I get that way, don't you? Somewhat overtly negative Perhaps we need to be more balanced, but there's an element of truth in it. My friends, the way things are in our country, it's difficult to believe anything but judgment. The way things are in the Christian church here in the Free West, it's it's difficult to think of anything but judgment. The way things are in my life, it's difficult to think of anything but judgment. And God knows my heart. And he's my greatest critic. I know what you're asking yourselves. If God is my greatest critic, upon what basis does he measure my performance? I'm asking myself that. If he is my greatest critic, upon what basis does he measure my performance? What are God's expectations of Doug Atherton tonight? Well, put simply, He expects me to be faithful. Now you might have come tonight expecting your pastor to be flawless. Uh-uh. You may have come tonight and expected your pastor to be fantastic. Uh -uh. You may have come tonight and expected your pastor to be fabulous. Uh -uh. Now we can go on all night, can't we? But I tell you something. All my God in heaven expects me to be is faithful. Faithful. Oh yes, he is the righteous judge. And as Christ, with the the very woman caught in adultery, as Christ was the only one in that crowd who could cast the stone, for he was without sin. So my righteous judge is the only one who can cast the stone of judgment in my direction. But you know something? He doesn't. Hallelujah. And it's liberating. It's liberating. And he doesn't because of Calvary. You might judge me, but because of Calvary I'm liberated. I might judge myself, I do, but because of Calvary I am liberated. My God, the righteous judge of all the earth, he can judge me, and rightly so. But because of Calvary, I'm liberated. And it is for liberation. It is for freedom. It is for spiritual emancipation that Christ has set us free. Why then do we gather from week to week as those who are bound by chains? Who put those chains around your wrists? My brother, my sister in Christ tonight. Who did it? Was it Christ? No. Brothers and sisters around you may well have done Criticism's harsh. You may have bound yourself. But my friends, it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. So I'm going to tell you with great love tonight, I'm not going to allow your criticism or your thoughts or your opinions of me to bind me. For I'm free. I'm not going to allow my self-measurement, my my self-critical spirit. I am my worst judge. I'm not going to allow that to bind me. For I am free. And the righteous judge of all the earth looks down from glory. And he says, my child, you are free. All I ask of you tonight, Doug Atherton, is faithfulness. That's all he asks of me. Hallelujah. And you know what? With with such a request, you think, well, that's, that's beyond Doug Atherton's ability. Well, it is. He says, I want you to be faithful, Doug, and I give you the grace to be faithful. What a deal. Isn't that wonderful? He wants my faithfulness. There's only one way we can live freely in the presence of our critics. Indeed, of our infallible critic, God Himself. We need to get to know Him personally. And when you know Him, you're afraid. So, my brother, my sister, my friend, are you bound tonight? Are you shackled? Christ died to make you free. Don't allow, to the, don't allow the, the niggling criticisms in the back of your head to bind you. What others might think or say about you, it, it matters little. What you might think about yourself, it matters little. What matters is what God knows. And God in Christ tonight looks down from glory and He doesn't see our, our fallibility. He sees the precious blood of His Son, the Lord and Savior Jesus. And it is that that has set us free. That's grace. Isn't it something? Hallelujah. It is wonderful. At the cross, our judge became our divine Savior. At the cross, God's terrible swift sword was exchanged for his supporting arm. At the cross, God's accusing finger, once pointing at us, was changed to an open, outstretched hand towards us. At the cross, our critic became our best friend. My friends, tonight the last word is grace. The pardon, the power, and the promise of grace that is ours at the cross. And I'm free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a place to be. Free. Isn't God good? Why are you remaining shackled? Those of you who are. It is for freedom. The Christ Has set us free. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these blessed scriptures. This wonderful message. Not the pastor's message. It's your message to our hearts. Why are we so often content to remain shackled? Oh Lord might we embrace the freedom of Christ tonight. For some of us, maybe even for the first time, that salvation might come to this place and set us free from the law of sin and death. And for us who are in Christ, oh, how oft times we uh, lose the joy of our salvation. The peace is robbed us. Set us free tonight, Lord. And even as we come around this wonderful table of remembrance. Oh, the meaning here. Jesus was impaled upon a cross. That we might be free. Liberate us, Lord. Set us free, Lord. As we embrace all that is ours in Christ. By God's grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, move amongst us now with your searching eye. Convict us of our sin and draw us to yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.